it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Hello there and welcome to the Prospects Baseball Show, live from Podcast Alley, as uh, myself and uh, Jordan Blundell. How are you doing, Dino? Good, good. You're on camera now. You got to yeah. look like you're always paying attention here. Yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll put that away. Uh, it's a great day today, Dino. It it's is great day a today great for baseball day. in Canada. Uh, it is a great day for uh, baseball in Canada. We will talk about the Hall of Fame results. Uh, we'll talk about more fallout from the Astros. Some team signings uh, mm-hmm. for the Edmonton Prospects as well. And, uh, of course, uh, you can get a hold of us at Prospects Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can get the team at EDM Prospects. And uh, for all your needs, uh, check out www.prospectsbaseballclub.com. Okay, let's get into it uh, with uh, a discussion about the Hall of Fame inductions right now. God, I'm looking at the curveball. Let's go around the horn and get the big news in baseball. Okay, so obviously the big news big today news. is Larry Walker. And uh, I'll be honest, uh, I didn't think that this day was going to happen. I said to you on last week's show, I think he was going to come up one vote shy. Thankfully, he didn't. He got in. He, he got in with with some pad. He had six six votes oh, that he got in with. Lots of room. You, well, you had you might have had a premonition of one vote being short or didn't yeah. quite get unanimous with Jeter. Maybe I had the guys had, mixed up. Yeah, you had one. You, you had the one right. But uh, th- this is a, such a good day. Even Larry Walker didn't think that this day was yeah. going to happen. He, he tweeted tweet, out yeah. earlier today saying, uh, "I don't think this is going to happen." And uh, in the end, he gets that phone call that so many baseball players cherish. Yeah, what a what an amazing day! What what an amazing phone call! I'm sure it's it's something that um, he didn't really spend too much time thinking about it in the moment. Uh, you know, being a hockey guy and learning the sport and really having to earn every part of what he did in baseball through through hard work and dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what a great career! The 300, 400, 500 club. Um, you know, one of the stats that I really like about Larry that, that came out through all the, the Twitter wars of should he be in the hall of fame was, you know, his numbers on the road versus Ken Griffey Jr.'s numbers on the road. And I love Griffey. Griffey was a, a, I'm a huge Griffey guy. You know, take a look at these numbers. Um, you know, Larry on the road, 278, 370 on base, 495 slug for an 865 OPS, you know, Griffey. Basically the same numbers. He had an 860 OPS. So Larry Walker was slightly above what Griffey did on the road. And um, we all know how special King Griffey Jr. was. Griffey played a little bit longer and, and wasn't didn't end up getting the injury issues that, that Larry Walker did, having 600 home runs, you know, first battle Hall of Fame, no doubt about that. Um, but Larry was dangerous everywhere, man. You know, he was dangerous in Montreal he's, as he was coming up and, and blossoming and um, you know, how much, how much talent did the Expos have over the years, man? Like just imagine if they hadn't gone away, 
Well, you the know. amount of uh, teams that they stocked. And we're oh. going to chat later uh, with Ari Shapiro of arishapiro.ca. And he's going to dive deeper into that uh, injury question around Larry Walker, which is maybe why it took him 10 years uh, to get into the Hall of Fame. But he's in. Um, he's a member of that exclusive club. There's only two of them from Canada, him and Ferguson Jenkins. And and the impact of Ferguson Jenkins uh, on me wasn't uh, as big as it maybe could have been because I was too young. Um, but what about the impact of Larry Walker on Canadians? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think a, a bunch of six-year-olds' parents are rushing to get them signed up for baseball. Um, no, but what about the six-year-old that's asking his parents to sign him up for baseball? That's what I'm talking about. In my opinion, honestly, I don't think there's a big jump because hmm. Larry got in the Hall of Fame. I, I think that you know six-year-olds are inspired by you know maybe the the energy and fever of a of a you know Blue Jays team having a great season and the playoff runs a couple of years ago. I think that spurs development and interest in the game more than this particular individual accolade. Um, with all due respect, I mean, I'm a baseball guy. I absolutely love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're not taking anything away from the significance of what it means for Larry Walker to be inducted as a Canadian into the Hall of Fame. There's only two of them, and like he, he should be in there. It's unbelievable. Um, I just don't know if there's a huge correlation to parents you know, rushing over to the minor baseball organization and, and trying to get their kids registered for for six-year-old first-year-level baseball. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's the opposite. I think it's the uh, maybe the eight, ten-year-old who hasn't really played a lot of baseball, and he's like, wow, a Canadian just got into the Hall of Fame. I'm going to give it a try. That's where I think the impact might not. There's no doubt that winning championships, I'd imagine in a couple of years when they look back at the spike of basketball uh, participation this year after the Raptors won, you go back to the, the early 90s, there would have been a big spike in baseball, after the Blue Jays one, even yeah. though there were very few Canadians uh, on that team. Yeah. Ed, Ed Sprague, maybe? Uh, no, he's not Canadian. Oh, he's I not Canadian? Like Rob or Rich oh, Butler was like maybe, the 25th yeah. man on For that team. For some reason, I thought Ed Sprague was Canadian. <laughs> but anyway, um, it, it's going to have a big impact on uh, Canadian fans. And it gives us to puff our, gives us a chance to puff our chests out a bit today. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. It, it's great for Canadian baseball. And like Larry was... Uh, uh, a willing participant with Team Canada program and, and was involved there, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the career. And, um, it just, just immeasurable, uh, respect from current Team Canada players, like people that are in the system, people that have been involved in the game in Canada for, you know, as long as I have and longer and less time, you know, we, we I think everybody looks up to what Larry Walker accomplished. Um, he's revered, you know, by people that are in the game. You know, I did make it to that level, but I love everything that Larry Walker stands for. You know, he did this in the PED era, era mm-hmm. was never accused, was never linked, or there, there was nothing there. Um, played hard. For me, he's a third-line grinder, and that's such a compliment to be a third-line grinder. That A 49 uh, home run third, grinder. Third-line grinder, you know, <laughs> and, and he was he's the like first liner. He's like a third-liner that scored 35 goals yeah. or something? Yeah, it's like maybe he's like a Cam Neely type guy. There you, you go, know. he's a power forward. Power forward, yeah. you know, and, and um, you know, really epitomizes what Canadian baseball players are, and this is what American coaches uh, get a lot of times they get guys come down, um, you know, and, and they have to brush up. We heard Brent Lavalley talk about this. He was this, a grinder hitting the batting cages just at put like the work in. 11 p.m. Yeah. at night. Put the work in yeah. and then ended up being, you know, Hall of Famer at that college baseball program at that's right. LSUS. So um, that's what the American American coaches love about Canadian guys that get down there is they're, they're willing to 
put it to the wall and see what's up and, and try and take someone's job. And obviously Larry did that. Okay. What is going on with, uh, Derek Jeter not being <laughs> unanimous? I mean, let's get that voter outed. I, I, listen, Social justice warriors unites. I, I just, here, here's the thing. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to tell any, everybody has the right to totally. their own opinion, but except for this particular well, no, situation. But what I'm saying is there, there have to be, you have to be an informed opinion. And I don't know how anybody could possibly get to the level of being able to vote for the hall of fame and think Derek Jeter's not a first ballot, hundred percent guy. It's bloody ridiculous. It, it, it's, it's laughable. And that's actually the issue is that somebody did this so that he couldn't be a hundred. Do I don't think, think I don't think that there's a legitimate argument based on what Derek Jeter's career and this is right in my you're a couple years older than me like this is right when I got adulted into baseball when you're young you like you love it you, you maybe not paying attention so much but I was going into college baseball and loving every second of my life mm -hmm. trying to pursue being as good as I can and that's when Jeter started showing up you know when I was 16 17 18 that's when Jeter came into the big league so you know, the, his career is right in my wheelhouse of viewing, you know, my in, entering adulthood of actually knowing exactly what's going on. Jeter and Walker, these guys like Mariano Rivera was that guy. This is the first taste for me as a baseball fan. You know, when I'm 70, I'll have had a couple of cycles of this, but this is my first cycle of watching a guy, his whole career being aware from when he came in to when he left the whole time. And at no point was he not a hall of famer. He had like... He had the one 0 for 32 uh, slump and like, that's it. That's it. There was, there was, there was no PEDs. There was no controversy off the field other than, you know, kind of some, some dumb stuff with A-Rod and, and everybody sides with Jeter on everything. You know, he was squeaky clean, man. And the moments that he created. He didn't have any scandals off the field. Uh, unbelievable in New York. And, and, you know, he had a fairly nice yeah, play your, life. Play your whole life in New York yeah. as a Yankee, mm -hmm. as the starting shortstop, yep. as good looking as he mm -hmm. is, you know, the only scandal I ever heard about, and I don't even, I don't know if it's a scandal is that he would give gift bags, uh, to the, the friends that like, would stay over, yeah. which is your classy. scandal is that you're a classy guy with women <laughs> like that. That was his scandal. He yeah. had gift bags out or something like that, which. Yep. And, and everything on the field, um, you know, the flip play against the A's is is legendary. Legendary, it is. It is legendary. The so, diving into the stands, the Mister November, yeah. uh, end your career on a walk off, three thousand on the bomb, the, the the countless deep in the hole throws that he made to first base. Yeah, like patented by Barry Larkin, and then Derek Jeter made it look even better. Yeah, you know, look 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 like Air Jordan coming through the coming through the air there when he jumps up. Yeah. This uh, is not going to matter to Derek Jeter that nah, he didn't get in. It doesn't matter to anyone except for okay. us. That's like, well, I want to know. I would love to know. I don't need to know. I'd love to know the reasoning behind the sure. one vote. Okay. So I think baseball hall of fame votes should be transparent. I think everybody should have to release their ballot. Right, we're getting what are you closer scared of? to that. Like, what are you scared of? <laughs> are you scared that, that Derek Jeter doesn't want to be your friend anymore? Or like, because let me, here's a, a newsflash. You're not really friends with Derek Jeter. If yeah. that's what the person is conspiracy theory time. Yes. Are you ready for this? I, I, I didn't know you were into those. I'm not until now. This person has done this so that it comes out and maybe they get uh, famous for two minutes. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe they get Twitter followers. I don't know. I don't. What other reason? I don't know why you would want to follow somebody that didn't a, put Derek yeah, Jeter in this, the Hall of Fame. This may be a social media mistake, Dino, because it's going to have a backlash. Right. So, but why? What could be the reason? What is it? I just know. that I somebody is. What is the reason? Like, is it just somebody doesn't want anybody to be a hundred percent perfect? Then why do you vote for Mariano? Mariano was the hundy, right? Yeah. And what is it, that two years ago or was that last year? Mariano and Griffey wasn't a hundred. No. No, there's he he missed it by two or three votes. Mm. How how can how? Okay. So if we get transparency, which uh, we should, on don't you don't you agree? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, there's what, no argument not to be yeah. transparent because this why is would it. you why would you argue against it as a voter? Because it just makes you look bad. Yeah. Right. You're you're, you're the group of guys that don't want yeah. to be known, or a group of people. That like, don't want to be yeah. known. What are you hiding? Are you fr- are you afraid Barry Bonds isn't going to call you back? Because he's probably not <laughs> calling you back anyway. No, he's not. So let's talk about the guys then that didn't get in. All right. Uh, Schilling. Yep. Bonds. Clemens. Yep. The three guys linked to the steroid Whoa. era, the the biggest. I, I what what Schilling? Or not like, Schilling? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. not Schilling. Bonds and Clemens. Schilling has just pissed people off yeah, with his politics, which should have the... nothing to do with. Like, <laughs> listen, cheating is one thing. Yeah. Right. You, we we can all admit that if you're linked to cheating, then that that is probably gives you a legitimate reason. But because you don't like who he supports politically is a reason why he shouldn't be considered one of the best baseball players ever is a crock of crap as Wayne Gretzky uh, is, is known to say um, on this show. Sometimes, I mean, I don't know why you would do that. That's a crock of crap. Thank you, Wayne. It is. So Um, do do you, do you think Schilling should be in the hall of fame? Yes. Uh, Maybe the biggest for me, Jack Morris was the big post game pitcher. And then Kurt Schilling took that player. Yeah. Him and Randy Johnson. Yeah. Unbelievable. He went on to do something that Johnson didn't, and a lot, not a lot of people did, and that's win a game with a bloody sock. Yeah, yeah, and and another cool part of Schilling's journey is, you know, he, he, he dang near took the Philadelphia Phillies there. The Blue Jays stopped that. You know, then he does it with Arizona, and then he does it with Boston. Yeah. The heroic bloody sock. In miraculous sock, way. You know, like 12-2 and two with a 2 ERA. Um, man, his numbers are there. 3,000 Ks, that's automatic. Um, as far as his tweets and and views on things and and you know the failed digit digital tech video game company you know unless you're really paying attention and following and looking for things you know i'm not so aware of exactly like i have an idea of where kurt Schilling lies in the political spectrum um there's no bearing on what he did on the field for me uh he is a hall of famer the numbers back it up he'll he'll he needs to be in he'll get in um Bonds and Clemens. Barry's a tough one for me because uh, I absolutely loved him and Griffey growing up. The, you know, Bonds and Griffey were the two guys that were going toe to toe. You know, when I was a young teenager, right up into college baseball, it's Bonds and Griffey. Like mm-hmm. 2004, Bonds. I'm graduating college baseball at that point. So uh, for me, Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he did steroids. Uh, I know that doesn't I agree. that doesn't matter. Um, he was already a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that the penalty that he served and waiting and all these things, um, there's no doubt he did it. Hadn't been proven, never failed the test and all those kind of things. It, unfortunately, is speculation, which um, we know he was. Imp- Man, his hat size tells us that he <laughs> exactly, did, dude. Exactly. So uh, the other argument for Bonds is, is and it's been on Twitter, and, and uh, you know, of all the, the players in that era, 
the the war the top war you know being whatever it was you know 70 bonds is like 168 yeah you know like so um, he was the best of the steroid era so if, if anybody's going in uh, from that era it has to be him i could see guys like rafi palmero not getting in but bonds was already above all Palmero of us gets in, yeah. never no he's off unless he does another comeback <laughs> tries to play again yeah get him in the indie league. um okay billy wagner does not get in yeah and you're a big war war guy wins huge, above replacement huge. so of the leader among those with 376 of of 376 pitchers of more than 500 innings the leader in war is obviously mariano rivera then it goes goose gossage hall yeah. of famer yeah roly fingers hall of famer trevor hoffman hall of famer lee smith hall of famer then billy wagner yeah. who is has has more F war than any left-handed relief pitcher in baseball history. So the best lefty reliever is not in the Hall of Fame. Who's after Billy Wagner? I don't know. Okay, that's where the list ends. That's that's what the, the that I'm getting right now. Okay. The, that what I'm looking at. He was so dominant, Dino, hundred mile an hour. Like you didn't touch him. It was it was lights out. Huh, over, as dominant as anyone has ever been in that position, and he did it for multiple years. Where an Eric Gagne had the two years, uh, the one year with the Dodgers that he was a Cy Young winner. You know, Billy Wagner's numbers weren't that far off of what he did, and, and that was an unbelievable year by Gagne mm-hmm. with some potential asterisks. Yeah, Fangraphs rates Billy Wagner's fastball as the fourth best all-time among relievers uh, by pitch values. Uh, Kenley Jansen is ahead of him, and mm-hmm. Araldis are behind him. Yeah. Well, he's behind he Kenley should. Jansen. And he's ahead of Araldus Chapman. The biggest knock on Wagner is that he didn't pitch enough. Yeah, less than a thousand innings, where Rivera Smith have twelve hundred. But you know, it's the argument in hockey. Uh, Eric Lindros and Cam Neely are both in the Hall of Fame. Pavel Bure didn't play a lot. Uh, I think uh, as long as you meet a certain amount of requirements and you shone during that time, you should be in. Yeah, and you know what? You get to you start asking players. <laughs> you know, if, if there's a which probably will never happen with the with the writers and and how it works with the World Series or the uh, Hall of Fame voting, mm-hmm. but um, there, there's Billy Wagner's at the top of the list of guys you never want to see. Mm-hmm. Like he's he was Randy Johnson in the ninth inning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, the big unit coming I off. Don't, uh, I don't want to see this guy come out coming out in the the ninth. Uh, we're gonna chat with uh, Ari Shapiro from AriShapiro.ca a little bit later about Larry Walker getting into the Hall of Fame baseball scandals and some uh, Blue Jay moves. Uh, but right now, uh, let's uh, switch gears into the fallout from uh, the Astros Ooh. that we talked about last week. And Major fallout. Um, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen about Alex Cora, and like a day later, he's gone. And then Beltran is gone. Um, are you surprised no player has been suspended? Like, we're seeing all these videos of Altuve trying not to get his uh, shirt ripped off as he runs into the locker room after a big home run. Are you surprised there has been no player suspensions through all of this? Uh, yes and no, and I know that's a weird answer because it's a yes or no question. Um, I'm not surprised because that was the deal that MLB put forth to active players to tell the truth, that you'll be, okay. you'll have the immunity, you won't go down for this. Is that worth it? To well, find, well, to they find are out, going down for it no, in public opinion. In public opinion. But is no. it worth it to you as a baseball fan to give those guys immunity to get the bigger guys, even though 
the biggest guy was Cora, right? Well, I mean, the, like, it, yeah. it the players like, were the biggest guys no, in this. It was it was helping them. It was they, no. I'm saying the biggest guy uh, in charge of this. Yeah, like yeah. the players didn't come up with this. This was an. It sounds like an Alex Cora thing, but the players executed it. They knowingly uh, yes. went along with it. So yeah. is it okay for you that they're getting immunity to find out all the details? I don't know how I feel about it. it I I don't like uh, the latest Bregman interview. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, just, just, you know, so cocky, so much swag. And now, now where is he at? Um, you know, it's like, a bad look. It's a real bad look. And it's, it's, uh, they, they can't even apologize because of the immunity. Cause then it just brings up more questions. What are you apologizing for? And, and what are you taking responsibility for? So they can't take responsibility. So they're almost left in baseball purgatory now is that, we know you did it. Mm-hmm. You can't say that you didn't do it. You, you can't really apologize for it either because then it's an admission of guilt. So they have to say, they have to pull the Marshawn Lynch and, and just say, I'm just uh, here to not get fined. Yeah, exactly. You know what? The, you know, that that's even a worse look. I, I would respect the hell out of any player that come out and said, yeah, I was a big part of this. It was wrong. I really hope I can clean my name i'm probably never gonna get i'm always gonna have an asterisk beside me but at least i'm man enough to admit it and and move on that's what i would like to see from a player because all these guys are gonna have asterisks anyway you think jose altuve's playoff heroics aren't gonna be have an asterisk beside it all the time anybody carlos correa the only the only way they can get rid of this is is to put up huge numbers in the playoffs next year i think i think the way they get through it is coming out and admitting it listen you've worked with lots of people if a player or, or a person makes a mistake and they own up to it, you're more easily to move on. At least I am. Don't you, don't you think that way? If, if somebody screws up and they apologize, I'm like, okay, well, at least you came out and apologized and you were, you were uh, sincere about it and we, we can move forward rather than coming up with the reasons why it wasn't their yeah. fault or whatever. That's the way I think. Yeah, what about I mean, you? Th- this is life lesson time, mm-hmm. Dino. And, it is. and now we're, we're con- uh, combining uh, values and doing the right thing with major dollar signs. And I think we know what ends up being victorious time and time again is unfortunately the large amount of money. So mm. I, I can't see them, uh, being able to void any of these contracts. I don't think not if they so, promise them immunity. Yeah. So if we, if, if we're safe collecting our money, the five year hundred mil or whatever we've quiet, got, yeah. um, if, if that's can't get touched. I think you're right, Dean, that come out and, and face it, get out there, yeah. tell the truth. Like They're not going to, people aren't going to do it till after they retire. Yeah. That's when it'll, a lot of this stuff, and like a lot of these guys Jose are pretty young. Canseco's another, book. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine somebody writes a tell all about this and you could, there could be like you, you, you well, seriously could make a movie out of this. This really is. It's Mike Fires did the tell all. And then, yeah. and then there was digging done and, and. Yeah evidence hearing the banging and then more and then more you know and so if mike fires doesn't do what he did and and you know frankly john boy media you know piggybacking and, and yeah. doing the work you know did the work to suss all this stuff out the athletic was huge was huge in this. all these guys drellich and rosenthal mm-hmm. um mlb maybe doesn't make this that big a deal dino which they already weren't making they, it a yeah. big deal they well, are, they, they turned the blind eye to the, the home run era, the, they, the, they the juiced uh, yeah. player era. So they, until this became a big deal, they probably, I'm, I'm going to assume they would have done uh, the same thing. So do we look at Rob Manfred and compare him to uh, 
Goodall in uh, in the NFL with how much heat Goodall takes for player conduct and how they treat players in the concussion era and and you know Goodall's a whipping boy for for anything that's bad with football. Um, we're going through a major crisis in baseball. Um, what's what's the commissioner's responsibility here? How does he handle it? How well, should he be Well, that's why he came down so severe. That that that's he handed out such severe punishment. Nobody can question his. I don't think. Like how how do you how do you argue with? Is any is anybody think this is too light? Well, so so let me put it to you this way. So they they had information in 2017. Something was going yeah. on. They had information in 2018, something was going on. There was warnings sent. Yeah. Didn't they send it in 2017? Yeah. 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 So this is, this isn't a 2019 snapshot. This isn't a new revelation that just happened this no, year. No. So this is what I'm getting at. This, this could have been dealt with, could have been dealt with, could have been dealt with. It's kind of baseball's prerogative to maybe not bring up the fact that everybody's on steroids and, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep it hush, hush. Then, then whistleblowing time happens. Fires, Drellich with the athletic, Rosenthal with the athletic. And now you are forced to come down with the heavy hand, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, so I you're think saying it came he, he, after the fact of all this publicity that he was now put in a position where he better stamp this down now. Okay. And it had already gotten out of hand. So what happens with him moving forward then? What do you, what are you getting at? Oh, nothing. I don't, I don't know what I'm, I'm comparing him to, uh, Roger Goodell, who is exactly and, and runs the, the most boy. successful sport in the world. Yeah, and, t- and takes heat. Well, and maybe really, not in the world. Really like doesn't care. You know, really doesn't care. It's the NFL. It's a machine. It's you unstoppable. Know? You know, and sport and, and, is like this isn't this. You know, we're going to speak with uh, Ari Shapiro in a little bit, and we're going to talk to him about g- this baseball getting over this. There's no doubt. This is this is not going to cripple baseball. No, not in the least. It'll the, be something the, a world there forever. Series, a team wore through the World Series. <laughs> a manager bet on his own team. This is just another footnote, yeah. but they'll get over it. It's like the NFL. The only way, the only way a sport is going to really have trouble. Remember the last Boy Scout with uh, Bruce Willis. Movie. Love it. The guy kills himself on the field. That would have literally. I'm and I'm not making any light of. I'm saying that would almost have to happen for something to cripple these massive sports, Major League Baseball. Um, the football, the NBA to some degree. Like, and I don't think anything brings them down. Well, I mean, we looked at the NBA crisis in China and human rights and all those kind of things. And, and nobody's talking about it anymore. No, it, it was swept under the rug. No. This will be something that will be talked about years down the line. Like, this is part of baseball history now. Um, oh, for sure. Just like the Black Sox scandal. This is a big part, but this no, isn't going to cripple the game. No, not at all. They, they'll still be selling them out. Yeah. Okay, quickly, uh, we got two things to get to before we bring in Ari Shapiro. What do you what do you make of this Nolan Arenado stuff? I mean, this guy's name has been out there for a while, and it sounds like he's pissed off about it. Yeah, crazy, hey. It's crazy that that he's feeling disrespected publicly now with what's transpired, and you know who knows what's gone on to get him to be public about how he feels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Colorado's just in such a tough position, Dino. That like you need arms. No, they'll never sign a big free agent arm. They, they'll only ever get, you know, got, got, they have to draft and develop everyone there. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be able to sign free agent hitters, you know, 30, 32 year olds like Desmond, like Murphy, mm-hmm. um, that can go hit, go hit there and have a blast. They have to develop within 
they're doing that with Arenado story, best left side of the infield yeah. in, in baseball. Hitting for sure, yeah. And, and what have they done to support that as far as attracting arms? And and they're in this catch twenty two because they, they can't go out and sign guys. Guys aren't willing to sign. Free them. agent pitchers don't want to pitch. No, there. Mike Hampton was the only guy, and he got a you know, hundred twenty six million when a hundred million was crazy t- mm-hmm. talk to to get that size of a salary. So. Um, if, if, and when they deal Arenado, there's gotta be three or four arms coming back. Like the, the, there's no question about that. Maybe, uh, maybe a young 20, 21 year old third baseman. That's a top prospect, 21, 22 played double a triple a and is on the cusp, but they need to replenish with arms. They need to get three or four arms out of this trade. Um, I love Nolan Arenado, dude. I've been trying to get him in fantasy <laughs> for, for two years straight with deals. I love him. Um, Gold Glover, like the best best defensive player out there. I love watching his highlight pack. Uh, huge numbers at Coors. His road numbers are pedestrian. They're not the same. Not like Larry Walker's road numbers when he was not with Colorado. Exactly. They were good. They were good. Better um, almost than his home numbers. In some I, I'm not worried that if Nolan Arenado ends up somewhere other than Colorado that he's not what he normally is offensively. I'm not okay. worried about that. You don't think he goes from like being a 35 home run guy to being a 25 home run guy? No. Okay. I think he's still he you know it, a potential little drop and but not nothing significant and potentially no drop okay. depending on what park he gets to go play in. You know if he goes to Seattle, numbers are going down. If he went to Toronto, the numbers might go up because that's a launching pad and it's the AL East. If he played a Remax field, his numbers might go down. They might go down. You guys have such a big field. Yeah, and and guys would pitch him tough. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Let's talk about some of those guys. Um, we announced some uh, player yeah. signings last week and. Some returning players. Um, you mentioned a little bit about uh, the Yale pipeline continuing. Because yeah, did that you have for four? You. Did you have four players from Yale last year? I did. Yeah, four we did. players from yeah. Yale. Great kids. What do you got this year? Do you got? Are you going back to the Yale well? Yeah, we are. We're Why guilt, not, guilty. Right? Yeah, no, they're great kids, uh, and they love playing. The guys we had last year absolutely love the game, um, and I really appreciate that from players. And that's what we're looking for. And mm-hmm. as we recruit, you know, you feel like you can gain a little bit of a relationship with the player that you, he does, he loves it. Um, so we announced AJ Geitz there last week. So I have, this will be breaking news right now. We've got uh, another infielder, kind of a utility guy. Uh, Carson. Did you say Swain. breaking news? Okay, go ahead. Breaking news. Breaking news. We've got uh, Carson Swank uh, from Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, Yale University, we're bringing another one in. He's athletic. Um, he's got uh, a really cool webpage des- designed to promote his baseball ability as he was working to get recruited out of high school. Nice. Um, at some point we'll flip Pretty that. smart kid. <laughs> we'll flip that, uh, information on, on the Twitter feeds. Um, I've seen the videos, you know, I've talked to coach and, you know, obviously we, we went through a whole process to get him here, but, um, he, he dude, he loves to play. You know, awesome. He, he, he's a gamer. Um, he's going to work hard, competitive competitor, and he fills that third line grinder mentality that we love. <laughs> yeah. We hope that he's a first liner with third line grinder mentality. So, uh, Carson Swank, Ashburn, Virginia, Yale university is a freshman infielder there. And I've got one more that we have announced. Um, so not breaking news, but Dion Winches, uh, from Vancouver, BC, mm. Cana- Canadian lad. Uh, he's at currently at Douglas community college, uh, in new Westminster, uh, they play in the NWAC. Uh, what some of the listeners w- would probably not know about Douglas if they were aware of that program, and uh, I think it's worth noting, is that uh, they play in one of the toughest conferences in junior college. Um, uh, the state of Washington has 
absolutely a bunch of studs in in the NWAC, the Northwest Athletic Conference. There's 30 teams in this. They're not well known. Uh, there's two top 25 junior college programs in their division. Um, so Douglas is up against it every year against some of the big boys. And, and you know, they're able to hold their own. I bring this up because at VI, we, those are the teams we'd go down to play in Washington at the start of the year. And uh, I remember uh, we went into Edmonds Community College and they had, you know, they have like the, the promos and, and team mottos in the dugout uh, mm-hmm. uh, laminated. So we go into their park. First game for both of us in uh, in the year. And, you know, they had some team goals. They probably forgot that it was in the visitor's dugout, definitely in the home dugout. So we got to see what they're planning to do to us and what their goals were for each game. And, um, you know, my, my, our ace, um, my boy on the mound, Connor Russell, who was an absolute bulldog for me for four years, goes out there and shuts them down. And we beat them in their home opener. And they ended up being the NWAC champions. Mm-hmm. We got pumped the second game. Uh, they took it to us because they weren't too happy with what happened. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the level. They ended up winning the NWAC, you know, the top 25 program. There's a couple of them in there. So Dion is a catcher. He's uh, from Vancouver, played in the North Shore Twins organization growing up. Uh, first class organization. Uh, baseball legend John Har uh, is a part of that organization. Um, I'm excited to get him. He's a right-handed hitter. Uh, same as Carson Swank. Um, right-hand hitters got some pop. Uh, and, and you know what, he's been described, uh, uh, to me by his coaches and guys that I know that he's a catcher's catcher, you know, he's got that, that, that energy and enthusiasm for that position. Um, and I'm looking forward to working with him. I think he'll do a great job with our pitchers and, and, and handling a staff that's a, a innate ability that you can't quantify, but your ability to be friends as a catcher with the pitcher and know what's going on and, and get them to believe in what you're calling, um, is makes your team better, you know, and you can't quantify it. One or two pitches and, and that pitcher believes in the catcher. It's, it's, it's cool how that relationship evolves. So excited to get both those guys, Carson Swank from Yale and, and Dion Winches from Douglas CC. All right. For more information, of course, you can uh, hop on Twitter at EDM Prospects and the website is www.prospectsbaseballclub.com. Time now for our guest of the show so let's get to it play ball very pleased to welcome to the prospects baseball show a gentleman we had on earlier it's ari shapiro uh, from ari shapiro.ca ari thanks very much for joining jordan and myself today happy new year guys glad to be on your great show thanks for having me uh thank you very much for joining us on the program and i guess let's get right to it larry walker in the hall of fame uh first of all Honest answer. Did you think he was going to get in? I did. I did. And it's interesting because I had a lot of discussion over the course of the day with uh, friends and acquaintances in the business and the industry, just personal friends as well, to get a sample size of what people were thinking when it came to his chances. And look, 10 years ago, no, I don't think so. But then it's ironic that he would get in on his last attempt, right? I mean, if you looked at the way he was trending, it didn't seem like he was going to make it. But at the last moment, something clearly saved him because he finished with, I think, about, what, 76%, 76.5%, and just snuck in. And I think rightfully so, because my instincts tell me that the decision-making process in making him enshrined as a Hall of Famer um, 
he checked off a lot of the boxes. He checked off the right boxes, you know, like we are so far removed from that era where you used to look at a player and say, all right, does he have 3000 hits? Check. Does he have uh, 500 home runs? Check. Does he got 300 wins? Check. That doesn't exist anymore. It's a different time, different circumstances. But for the sort, the circumstances they are, gentlemen, I can tell you, I found it incredibly ironic that there was this, this massive debate on Larry Walker. Now that we've entered a kind of dark age of baseball where we don't know what the integrity of statistics really are. You know what I mean? And, and that's what they are in baseball. They are sacrosanct. Baseball is the most statistically driven of all of the ma- major pro sports in North America. And now that we've entered an era where we're not sure who's using drugs or who's cheating, Larry Walker emerged as this kind of puritanical patron saint for the era. And for me, he's completely deserving and worthy of being enshrined with Cooperstown. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up, uh, linking things to, to statistics and, and where baseball is gone, gone with analytics. And, you know, in, in my opinion, Larry is, is maybe the first guy uh, that's been elected to the Hall of Fame based on his analytic numbers. Um, he's not going to blow you away with 383 home runs, uh, 1,300 RBIs. Um, I think where he gets in is the the batting average, the on-base percentage, and the slugging percentage. And when we delve a little deeper into OPS+, Plus, those numbers uh, really tell the tale of how, how, how valuable this player was. Um, why do you think that this has taken 10 years for people to come to the, the realization that Larry Walker is a Hall of Famer? Well, Jordan, you, you summed it up beautifully when it comes to the evolving nature of analytics in the game. The barometers that we used to use, um, that standard of excellence, had to be redefined. And when it was, the, the aspect of what makes a player great changed. Right, It was no longer the naked eye, hey, he's got 500 home runs, he must be great. Um, there are hitters out there who hit many more home runs than Larry Walker, who weren't even half the player or able to hold his jockstrap. I mean, this is a player who not only had over 70 wins above replacement, which right away puts him in the conversation for anybody who cares about advanced sabermetrics, but a player that is only one of 10 players to have what they call a membership in the 300, 400, 500 club, you know, a 300 average plus, a 400 on-base percentage plus, and a 500 slugging percentage. I mean, when it came to OPS and OPS plus, Larry Walker was one of arguably the top 20 players that ever played baseball based on some of these measurements. So you had this clash of new age analytics bashing with old age statistics and a much younger field now voting. Maybe to answer your question, it could have been the fact that he was Canadian, the fact that, you know, he didn't win a World Series, the fact that if you factored in his playing time in Coors Field, which was an argument that used to have a lot more mustard, I don't know if you gentlemen noticed, than before. It used to be, oh man, he played in Coors Field, don't even consider him five years ago. Then something happened, and a, a deeper dive indicated that. If you really look at Larry Walker's numbers on the road, and then project him with the kind of advanced splits where, let's say he played in Montreal his whole career, he'd still have 10-15% better numbers, most likely, because he just played better at home, I think. I think he played to the crowds. I think he played harder in some respects when he knew that there was a lot on the line and he was at home. But even if you debate whether or not he's a player that should be penalized by the Coors Field effect, he only played, I think, a, a grand total of a third of his career at Coors Field. Otherwise, he, he molded and framed a lot of these statistics 
when it mattered all over baseball. And so I think that this is a huge validation for him and his entire career in its totality. I totally agree with you. When when you look at the numbers in Coors Field and away from Coors Field, it, he had numbers are way better away from Coors Field. He had almost twice as, maybe more than twice as many at-bats away from Coors Field. I'm not saying that didn't help him, but he performed just as well on the road and uh, away from that, that stadium. So uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I think the best part, my favorite part of Larry Walker's story is that the only reason he's in the Hall of Fame right now is because the Regina Pats cut him <laughs> in the WHL when he was like 16 right. or 17 as a goalie. He comes home, throws his goalie gear in the corner and picks up a glove and, and now is a Hall of Famer. I mean, if that's not an inspiration to to anybody who is thinking of trying out a new sport as a kid, I don't know what is. Well, there's a reason why the pride of Maple Ridge, B.C. became the player ultimately that he was respected for, right? This was a true 5-2 player uh, in an era that coveted them even more than I think now, right? I mean, you didn't have a lot of 5-2 players uh, that could be available to not one but two franchises, ultimately three because he was a cardinal. But what he did with Colorado and Montreal was really special. He left a real imprint on the fan bases and in, in exhibiting an almost what they call six-tool sense, which was he was a smart baseball player. He knew when to take a base. He knew when to butt, which is something that, you know, no one seems to know in baseball today how to do that consistently. Larry Walker was that guy that you could put in any situation and he was like almost like a Doug Gilmore for his baseball team. He could do whatever you needed him to do in any circumstance and situation. And that reputation didn't go anywhere. It only grew as he won his gold gloves, as he demonstrated some gouty seasons where he hit like 360. I mean, he had three or four years that were just Herculean in nature. And whether or not you factor in the course splits, you're talking about a player who clearly plays the game in a way that should be admired. And I mean, isn't that what you want in the Hall of Fame? Players that reflect not only their contribution statistically to baseball, but are the best that baseball has ever had to offer at any given time in history. And that's where we've reached this kind of interesting uh, zenith, if you will, that's an apex where it's very crucial what will happen next with baseball because it looks as though next year there is a distinct possibility that Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds could all three be in the Hall of Fame. And for purists like myself, so it's somewhat of a baseball reckoning. You know, they, they, this might be the last of the old school, old mold, steroid free. And remember, that's a great thing about Walker that I love. He was never linked to any of that odor. He wasn't linked to any of that, of those shenanigans, which, which damaged so many players' reputations. Larry Walker was the best of them. And in, so, in the fans' eyes, he was the best of us. You know, in baseball, we, uh, on the management side and player procurement side, we, we're, we're always comparing you know, a young player to, oh, he looks like Jeter or he he plays like Alfonso Soriano or he moves this way. Um, what player in the big leagues do you think, uh, you know, shows the same level uh, of potential as a young player that, that Larry Walker uh, became, the, the type of player he became? What player is playing right now that's young that you see as a future Larry Walker by the time their career's over? Well, it's interesting, uh, Jordan, you kind of set me up because you know that there's going to be a heavy Toronto contingent listening to your excellent show. And uh, for those who aren't aware that are listeners outside of Toronto, I think that for fans here, Bo Bichette, in many respects, might represent that kind of player that 
fans in Toronto have been waiting for, which is a player who can be a five-tool, smart, intelligent, self-aware baseball player who came up with the fundamentals and wants to play the game the way the game not should be played, but needs to be played. You know, there was a time when, before the steroid era, that a prospect was such a rare thing in baseball that could really make it. You know, it, was a, it wasn't like hockey. If you if you were drafted in baseball, your chances of making it to big leagues, big leagues, and taking someone's job was very difficult. It should have gotten harder, but because we entered an era where free agents were so horribly devalued, and the the, the sport has become what it is, there's an opportunity for young players. And Bobuchet, to me, in the very short time that he came up during the 2019 season, demonstrated so much of the characteristics that I enjoyed watching with Larry Walker namely leadership, poise, tact with the media, uh, a friendliness with the fans, understanding that at the end of the day, um, they're here to see him. And that's what Larry Walker did that I think Bo Bichette will do, is give the fans a reason to feel good, that no matter what the outcome of the game happens to be, they will have gotten their money's worth by just watching four at-bats from these types of players. Do you think uh, Larry Walker gets enough credit for his, uh, you know, we, we talk about his ability to hit home runs. I mean, he hit 49 home runs and stole 33 bases in one season when he won his MVP. He averaged almost 20 stolen bases a season. So we've talked about that aspect of Larry Walker a lot. Do you think he gets enough credit for his defensive play, Ari? I think the injuries piling up hurt him enormously in that regard, right? Because typically speaking, you're talking about a sport that, at the highest level, the reason you revered someone like a Cal Ripken Jr. was because of their consistency. Not just that they were a great player defensively, but that they could always walk out in the field and get it done. And with Larry Walker, you're talking about a player that I think may have played 150 games once in his entire career, right? He lost, I think, about anywhere between you know 25 to 30% of games consistently to injuries. And I think that that otherwise took the shine off of what should have been an absolutely stellar career respected for its defense first and foremost. Because this was a player who knew how to play right field in a way that didn't make right field feel that way, if that makes any sense. I mean, right field typically is supposed to be something that's an enormous challenge because you know a lot of balls are going to be hit there. You want your right fielder to be arguably your most dynamic and, and and consistent fielder with a strong arm. The center fielder over the years, we've seen all sorts of variants of archetypes for a center fielder. You've got the small, speedy center fielder. You've got the loping center fielder. You've got the bruising center fielder. Larry Walker was just a consummate super outfielder. He could go after balls deep in the corner. He could sprawl himself full bore right across to any direction. And with his arm in particular, and it's, again, it's sixth sense, right? It's his sixth uh, uh, tool, if you will, that he had when it came to knowing where to send the ball was simply outstanding. The man played the game with the fundamentals. And in an era where fundamentals are constantly ignored because it's become more of a show-off show league and show-me-what-you-can-do league, Larry Walker was just a quiet pillar of consistency when he did play. But like I said, Dean, it's hard to get respect in any kind of industry when you've got too many sick days, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. There were, there were some, some games and, and some plays and, and the way uh, Larry played the game that, you know, obviously prevented him from having those 155, 160 game seasons. And, um, 
You know, it's a great point that you made uh, that that you made with with where baseball is going now, and and even delving into the NBA and load management, and you know, six seven man rotations and openers. Um, you know, maybe the sport is, is becoming more aware of may, maybe we don't need to play every inning for 162 games and, and finding ways to get guys rest. You think moving forward, um, you know, we'll see any more Ironman type baseball players, or, or are we going to kind of get into you know, protecting bodies and, and, you know, if that had been the case when Larry was playing uh, versus trying to always get back on the field, you know, maybe he would have been able to extend his career or, or in fact, even play more games. Well, I think, Jordan, you need to protect the asset, as they like to say, right? I mean, these players are important commodities that these teams employ and deploy in an effort to try to stay competitive. And with Larry Walker, you had the ultimate competitor. You had a guy who wanted to go out every game and dive after every ball. And There's a price to be paid for that. You have to know the player. I think that later in his career, I wish that teams would have maybe used him more as a designated hitter. I mean, who knows? Larry strikes me as a very vocal and a very uh, hands-on type of baseball player who wants to manage his career the way he does, playing naturally. So perhaps he just kept saying, put me out there, coach. Let me let me do what I do best. And to answer your question, though, I think we're going to see more and more specialized players as roster sizes increase and as baseball evolves into a game where you want your best players available come playoff time. And uh, we're going to start seeing that more, I think, in hockey. The reason we haven't seen it yet is because there's still a great machismo with, uh, you know, hockey when it comes to, like, going out there and playing with a cut eye or a bruised lip or something. But in the sport that has concussions, and it doesn't matter if it's baseball or hockey, you've got to protect your asset. And I think that Larry Walker, unfortunately, was never compatible with that theory because he was just cut from a different cloth. You can't you can't take a square peg and expect to fit in a round object when you have that round object being a player that was a throwback to the days of Joe DiMaggio and Ty Cobb. You know, he just played the game the way it was supposed to be played, and unfortunately, that means getting banged up very often. Uh, what kind of impact uh, will this have on Canadians? Uh, we we saw what happened in '97 when he won the MVP, and and people got excited. Uh, what happens now to Canadian baseball with Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame? What's his impact? What's this impact on Canadian baseball? Oh, Dean, I'd love to give you a great idealistic utopian answer. You know, like I'd like to tell you that this will be a rallying point for organized baseball in Canada at all levels because we haven't had a reason to celebrate this since, what, I think early 90s, 91, when Fergie Jenkins was was sent into the hall, and I think most Canadians had a hard time even knowing who Fergie Jenkins was. Uh, um, but for baseball fans, there's no question this is a, a huge moment. I don't know what will happen, but I really think there's an opportunity for the only team in Canada, being the Toronto Blue Jays, to really go out of their way to honor this moment and make fans of baseball in this country understand why this is such a significant achievement. I mean, you remember once upon a time when he was winning all those awards in Canada for being its greatest athlete, and he lost one year to uh, Jacques Villeneuve. That was the quote. Yeah, Villeneuve. Yeah. Villeneuve beat him. And and I remember thinking how absurd it was, too. I don't want to belittle race car driving. I mean, every sport is important at its highest level. I, I respect the, the most talented ping pong player in the world as I would the most talented sumo wrestler. But somehow, the fact that he consistently was admired by an entire country 
And now to see the fruits of his labor be realized nationally like this, internationally, he's a true Hall of Famer. And I think this is a glorious opportunity for baseball to get its ass in gear in Canada. Because we've had a real problem in this country over the last few years and throughout the decade, quite frankly, when it comes to grassroots encouragement of young people to play the game. Uh, the baseball diamonds are disappearing. They're being replaced by condo developments, guys. That's got to stop. That garbage has got to stop. I understand the importance of growing the city and, and creating an urban jungle, but you need to focus on your young people and giving them a chance to come out and enjoy the baseball field, the basketball courts, and the hockey rinks. And this is an opportunity for baseball to say, look, this is what happens when you're a young boy and girl and you work hard throughout your career. You too can make it to Cooperstown. So you just use it as a reason, a rallying point to really get a lot of these kids from, you know, out of their PlayStations and Xboxes and maybe actually get on the baseball diamond and enjoy this glorious game. Okay. What about uh, Derek Jeter and uh, not getting a hundred percent vote? Sorry, repeat the question for me, Dean. Derek Jeter not getting. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I understand you can't believe sorry, it. Sorry, but... I, I think I think I'm losing you. I think it's Ken Griffey on the other line saying, "Now you know how I feel." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, not sure what happened there, other than actually I know exactly what happened there. Um, there's some really pathetic, spiteful people on this planet, and some of them are baseball writers or involved <laughs> in the or the you know involved in the election process. Because how, how do you finish with ninety nine point seven? You're Derek Jeter. Um, and I know that there's a, a strong movement out there. I, I come across with people who say his numbers are overrated, but they are what they are. This is a bona fide Hall of Famer. Um, and to see him, you know, get into the Hall of Fame as an almost unanimous choice is great. I would have liked to have seen 100%. I think that given the field that was at play and the way that the votes were distributed, it probably means that whoever didn't vote for Derek Jeter probably threw it to one of either Schilling, Bonds, or Clements. So I'm thrilled for Jeter. This represents an important achievement um, in, in New York Yankees history, and it's something their fans will embrace. But as I said before, gentlemen, um, it's no coincidence, but this was the eighth year out of 10 possible years. And that's another thing that Larry overcame. Let's face it, if he doesn't get in this year, he's done until the Veterans Committee decides one day while having tea and crumpets to put him in with Harold Baines. And that wouldn't have been the same to me. He needed to be recognized right now by his peers, if you will. And now he's got an opportunity to realize that next year it's going to be controversial because Derek Jeter and, and Larry Walker might be the, the last two really clean additions to the hall before we start seeing how we reconcile the fact that certain people may not politically belong there while others may be getting an easy free pass whose numbers aren't strong enough. You know, Derek Jeter, um, growing up watching Jeter and the evil empire and at one point hating the Yankees and then switching allegiance for me to the fact that, you know, Derek Jeter is just too good of a baseball player, too good of that, that heart and soul type player that, that, I couldn't hate the Yankees anymore because I loved what Derek Jeter brought to the ball club. Um, you look at some of the career moments that that Derek Jeter produced, and for me to to see one person leaving him off the Hall of Fame ballot, I mean, he had he had five or six moments in, in the last twenty years that have stood the test of time, like the Mister November, the the cut play flip to the to the catcher. Uh, Posada gets Giambi out in Oakland. They came back in that series, you know, getting his 3,000th hit on a home run. His last at back going the other way for an RBI single walk off, uh, uh, you know, diving into the stands. You know, these are plays that will 
stand the test of time and, and in, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, our kids, grandkids and, and great grandkids, they're going to look at Derek Jeter in the same light as, you know, we maybe look at Onus Wagner and some of the, these great players that, that nobody's seen play, but the, the, you just know that they were Hall of Famers. It's unfortunate that we didn't get 100% there. Is there one moment in Derek Jeter's career that, that um, really sticks out in your mind, Ari? No, you know, it's funny. I, I, I spent as much time as I could watching his exploits and watching him win all those those World Series with the New York Yankees. I mean, you're talking about a player that, and it's interesting you brought up Honus Wagner because younger listeners may not have any clue who the, the heck Honus Wagner was, but you could easily argue that he was his his era's Derek Jeter. And, and the, the one statistic that flies out on me with Derek Jeter was that you know, he, he finished with almost 2,000 runs. I mean, this was a player that always found a way to do anything and everything to help his team from the moment he, he, he hit the diamond. I mean, he was rookie of the year right off the hop. He, he was always an MVP finalist one way or another. Um, you know, didn't get a chance to win it because he was at, he was playing baseball at a time where there were incredibly competitive statistical rivals. But when you take the totality of his work and kind of lay it down and realize that this was a guy who did everything for you, including make sure that you ultimately win the championship over and over like he did. I mean, the fact that someone spitefully left him off their ballot, first of all, they've got to make that stuff transparent, guys. I'd like to see who it is, because that way we can start a Twitter petition to get him on the fire. (laughs) Because in my opinion, if you claim to have baseball's best interests at heart in selecting somebody who deserves to be there, go ahead. Rationalize for me how Derek Jeter doesn't deserve to be there. So, you know, in the end, I say that rather than focus on specific moments in his career, just look what he did throughout all of it. And the fact that he finished, albeit under circumstances, you know, at the end of his time as a, as a Yankee, when there were some years that they were losing, he wanted to, you know, remember there was that controversy where he wanted to be in a different spot in the batting lineup and he was criticizing the way, maybe the way things were done, but he was a gamer and he was hard and he did everything in his power to help his team win. And I mean, if the Blue Jays had a player like that, in the last 20 years, we'd, we'd also be singing the praises of multiple championships brought forth by the Honus Wagner of our era. Well, if anybody earned the right to ask about the batting order or things like that, it was Derek Jeter, man. This this guy oh, yeah. uh, was, was everything the Yankees could want. Now, there's a few guys that didn't get into the Hall of Fame, uh, Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and one guy who's not associated with those guys, and Billy Wagner, one of the maybe the best left-handed reliever of all time, didn't get into the Hall of Fame. Aside from Schilling, Clemens, and all those guys, because I know the the baggage attached to them, I'm more surprised about Billy Wagner not getting into the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, unfortunately, there's this incredible statistical bias against relievers that I will never understand. It's a time-honored tradition that goes back to the to the years of debating whether Lee Smith deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And this was a guy, I think, with over 500 saves. I mean, Billy Wagner's memory serves was, for all intents and purposes, 1A, 1B with Trevor Hoffman in his prime. And the fact that he would only pick up like 16 or 17% time around after he's been on the ballot now for, what, half a decade, it's really unfortunate because that to me is perplexing. I can understand justifying why certain guys picked up you know, a paltry amount like a Jeff Kander, a Scott Rowland, but I'm having a hard time looking at, at Billy Wagner and scratching my head. And then, of course, there's Todd Helton, who, after what happened with Larry Walker this year, will probably pick up a mitt full of votes 
just from the fact that we've now relaxed our anti-Coors field policy because Larry Walker is validating the fact that you can play your career in a, in a home or friendly park and still get recognition for it. The difference is Todd Helton basically played his entire career. And unfortunately, as Arenado will uh, easily say in this mm-hmm. era, once you get a certain reputation from, from the fan base or the media, it's hard to shake it. And for whatever reason, Billy Wagner's achievements are just being diminished, even though you're talking about a, a reliever who finished with a career 2.31 ERA and, and 422 saves. So that's a head scratcher indeed. Well, you made a great point about how important pitching is and how dominant uh, Billy Wagner was. Uh, I want to move on to what your... Uh, thoughts are on what the Blue Jays have done with their pitching staff and, and the additions uh, here this offseason. It's uh, it's exciting from afar, uh, you know, not being in the Toronto market. Uh, it's exciting to see what they've done, uh, add some veterans uh, to that rotation. And, and in my opinion, they, they needed to do that. Uh, Ari, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the pickups? Hyungjun Roo, Tanner Rourke, uh, Shun Yamaguchi, uh, Chase Anderson, and, and uh, I think I might be missing one, but what are we thinking Travis here? Shaw as well was a big pickup. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know these additions. Look, it's it's a, it's a great off season if you're a big fan of quality reclamation projects. I mean, I, I'm not going to cast a downer or, or a shadow on the quality of 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 the moves in terms of desire to improve your team. Obviously, you go after you know Ryu, and you've got a player that you know finished second in Cy Young in the National League. So, as a starting point. And if you're going to make a splash, that's a big signing. I'm not a big fan of it personally because I think that going after a 33-year-old reliever with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball who was a finesse pitcher in the National League is not exactly a recipe for success in the American League. But stranger things have happened, right? I'm not saying he's going to be R.A. Dickey, but if fans are expecting that he'll have the same success, it may not work out that way. I hope it does. Um, it's not a bad thing when you've got really nothing to play for other than the hopes that you gradually improve over, what was it, the magnificent 67-win season. Um, I had great contempt for the fact that in the last day of the year, the Blue Jays had a payroll on the field that was being paid $31 million. It was an absolute embarrassment. But you got out, you got Ryu, you got Anderson and York. You know you've got Shoemaker, who, if he can recover from his injury, might start hot again because he clearly had something figured out last year before he went down. You've got Ryan Barucki, who's going to be someone that, again, you hope is healthy, can contribute. And then, of course, you've got the number one prospect, Nate Pearson, who, whom, by all accounts, in signing Yamaguchi, you've now like created all sorts of swingmen possibilities. You've given room for guys to step out and impress. And I have this feeling that some of them may just do that. So overall, I'm, I'm pleased that they've gone out short of the rotation, but they've still got a long way to go. Uh, getting Travis Shaw was, again, a pretty cool reclamation project because of his 30 home run power potential. But the Blue Jays have no shortage of guys who can hit home runs. The issue is, can they stop swinging and striking, you know, and striking out as often as they do? You know, you can't have half your lineup with a 290 on-base percentage and or worse and expect to finish with more than 70 wins. So some good signings and it's a good start but in the end again I'd like to see them spend more money and go after high quality high tier athletes that become available because the fans here deserve to see quality baseball I'm not saying you should go out and try to have a 90 win season after you've had the kind of year they had but a lot of fans are expecting a big step forward this year from the team when it comes to what they've done in the uh, free agent market as well as uh, how they continue to develop these great young players they've got a powerful nucleus for a reason 
All right, let's uh, wrap up on this, Ari, and uh, on, on your podcast, uh, AriShapiro.ca, uh, you had uh, a, just a roundtable discussion recently about the future of baseball with everything that's happened because of the fallout with the Astros. Uh, since Jordan and I last talked, Alex Cora's out, Carlos Beltran is out, who knows what else is going on. I'll ask you the question you asked, can baseball get over this, and is baseball in the lowest spot it's been in um, that you remember? I don't know if the sport will recover from this because even though it has had in its history, its long-cherished history that goes way back now uh, to the to the latter half of the 19th century, you could make the case that, look, it's got resiliency because first it had to deal with the 1919 Black Sox scandal. And how did it deal with it? by going out making sure that they suspended and punished the team so badly that the Night Sox could never find themselves in a situation to ever cheat again and other teams were, were brought on notice. And there were other challenges throughout the decades, right? They had to deal with uh, the, the civil rights movement and the fact that Jackie Robinson deserved his shot to break the color barrier. He finally got it with the Dodgers. You had the era of free agency wrangling when Marvin Miller and Kirk Flood changed the way free agents were looked at. That was a seismic shift. You had the 80s where cocaine and alcoholism was was hurting the game, and then the steroid era in the 90s with PEDs. So you've had a lot of moments in the game where it looked like it was going to bend but never really break. So you come off of 2019, right, gents? And you've got your most profitable era ever now where you're making more money but you're losing fans left, right, and center. And now you've got the worst imaginable thing, which is a, a, a very sophisticated instrumental cheating scandal that we now know encapsulated roughly a third half of the league. We now know that it wasn't just the Houston Astros who were bending the rules to favor their play, but they were breaking it left, right, and center with other teams who tried to compete, and the investigation is ongoing. I don't know if the game can recover. I mean, it'll continue on the way it does, but I can tell you both from speaking with people who know me uh, in the industry and and going out and and, and figuring out what my followers and listeners on my website and podcast think about the whole situation, it's just beyond deflating. It's it's a horrible way to begin a new year when during the baseball offseason, all you can talk about is how the game has really damaged itself. And the level of hubris and hypocrisy involved with the people who covered up the extent of the cheating, Dean and Jordan, that's what worries me the most, mm. is that we need to get to the rot of what happened. Otherwise, you're going to leave behind remnants that unfortunately will make their comeback. Nobody thought that we'd be a year or two away from Bonds and Clements making the Hall of Fame. Well, guess what? The same will apply to the way that Major League Baseball goes out and, and deals punishment to fit the crime. And I don't know if they can do that. I mean, short of giving back the World Series to the opposition or simply striking it with an asterisk, what can you really do to address the fact that you had this rampant amount of cheating dishonor what was otherwise a, a national pastime worth uh, following and admiring because of its history? It's a real shame what's happened. I don't think the game will be able to recover. I think we've now entered a decadent era where they'll do everything they can to address it, but I fear the damage is irreparable. All right, Ari, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the program today. Uh, Congratulations to all Canadians out there on Larry Walker going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, for more information, people can check you out at arishapiro.ca. Thanks so much for joining us. A pleasure, and I tr- trust me, I'm a lot more optimistic on my own website. For some reason, I was really cynical <laughs> with you tonight, but pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Ari. 
Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. Great chat with Ari Shapiro, uh, who um, gives it to us straight. Yeah. And um, you know what? And and I, I admire that because, unfortunately, baseball is not in the greatest position right now, and we can't sugarcoat it. No. Uh, it has I, to work its way no, out of I, this. I appreciate uh, his candor, for sure. Okay. And I, and I like how he touches on what his true thoughts are on the Blue Jays. Yeah. And, and where they're at with those arms. And I like that perspective. Uh, just before uh, we wrap up, uh, some news. Um, uh, I guess you might call it more breaking news. Marcelo Zuna signing <laughs> with the uh, Atlanta Braves. Um, this is a guy that I enjoyed in fantasy because uh, uh, I knew I was going to get close to 30 home runs and 100 RBIs every year. Um, what do you think of the, the Braves going out? They lose out in Josh Donaldson, but what do you think about this move? Uh if you're a Braves fan, you got to be happy that they picked up a right-handed bat uh, to help replace what JD brought to the lineup. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple guys at third base with Camargo and, and Austin Riley, who's a young guy. Uh, they feel confident that those two guys can handle third base and produce, you know, probably not to the level of JD, but um, you know, switching what they did in left field with what they did at third base and bringing in Ozuna, they're probably close to a wash ultimately on the numbers. Uh, maybe not in the OPS, but on the actual home runs and, and RBIs and walks, they'll probably get close with Ozuna and the other two guys. I like that it's a one-year deal for Atlanta that they didn't have to commit a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think their their options were that or go to Castellanos for multi-year, multi-million. And they obviously were reluctant to do that with JD because they didn't they didn't match what the Twins did. Um, so that's given them flexibility, and that's a double A uh, type move. You know, bring in somebody that you know you don't have to be married to. So. A good move for the Braves. Yeah, it's it's very similar to what he did with uh, Josh Donaldson. Okay, uh, before we wrap up, uh, you guys have it's it's the dead of winter. Finally, we're out uh, of the, the deep could, freeze. Kind of seems could, like spring. Out it there it almost does. It almost feels like we should be getting out and playing ball. So and we're talking about beautiful weather there. The yeah, other that's day. right. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> this is good weather, yeah. and this is closer to the weather that we're going to get to, where kids can get out and play ball. Uh, and you guys got something they can do. Yeah, dude. This is this is going to be a fun day at, at Remax Field. It's May sixteenth. It's Homer's T-ball jamboree. Um, we're going to send some information out to minor baseball organizations and, and specifically obviously t-ball level players age age group players um, we want to have just a bunch of kids getting to play t-ball at remax field so set up three or four fields have a concession have homer there uh, play a couple of games it, it's it's not a tournament it's just it's what they call a classic where a bunch of teams show up and play a bunch of games and get to enjoy playing at remax field and you know you you've been down there dino obviously and um one of the things that I absolutely love is is bringing in new players when they first get to Edmonton. I take them through the clubhouse. They're like, oh, that's pretty cool. We walk down the, the the walkway, get into the dugout, and then I walk them to center field, deep center field, and it's a turnaround. And then you see the skyline and the stands and, and the big buildings and everything. You're like, dude, this is pretty cool to play. Mm. I can't wait to see kids get an opportunity to do that. So we're really looking forward to that. And meet uh, Homer. And meet Homer. Dude, Homer is the star of this whole operation. Um, he, he is, he's the best, man. Uh, kids absolutely love Homer. Our con- our contest winner, they won based on the picture. That's right. And the idea of having the son get the same kind of picture. I'm super excited for that to happen. Um, so it's just going to be a great day. More information to come as we hammer out the final details. But 
Um, Homer's T-Ball Jamboree, May 16th. It'll be a Saturday. Okay, so people can uh, keep it locked on uh, prospectsbaseballclub.com, yep. uh, prospectsbaseballclub.com or at EDM Prospects on Twitter for uh, more information. Yep. All right, this has been a lot of fun. Our first yeah. foray into uh, video. We'll see uh, how <laughs> that works out with the yep. editing process. But big thanks to Ari Shapiro. And of course, to you, Jordan, for coming out. We'll have uh, another episode again next week. We'll return to Mondays. This week was a special edition because Larry Walker Walker is in the Hall of Fame. Can you dig it? Indeed, I can. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on the Prospects Baseball Show. Ban the shift. It's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game.